Hi, I am Becky White, and this is Youth Driven Podcast. I am honored to be the program coordinator of Youth Driven, which is a traffic safety and leadership program for high school students. The goal of this podcast is to educate youth and adults about traffic safety through meaningful conversations with youth, victim families, and traffic safety experts. So I want to start by giving you a little background about me and why I am so passionate about traffic safety. In order to really understand someone and get to know what drives them and how they've gotten there, you need to learn about their why, what they're passionate about. So my journey to my why begins when I was 14 years old. On October 22nd, 1999, I had a joined birthday party with my dear friend, Katie. We had it at her house and it was awesome. We had all of our friends over. We had pizza, cake, uh, pinata, the whole nine yards. And after the party was over, Katie and I were opening up all of our presents. And we realized we had gotten a lot of gift cards for the mall. So we approached our parents and asked if they would take us the next day. Having been exhausted for entertaining a bunch of little 13 to 14 year olds, that's when my mom offered to take us the following weekend. So it was set. Katie was going to come over the following Friday and have a sleepover and we'd go up to the mall. It was really excited about it and looking forward to it. A normal week went by at school and finally Friday came. I had gone to the boys soccer game and I was watching the boys soccer game and then my mom picked me up from school. We then went to my house and that's when Katie got dropped off. And I just remember her coming in the house and we were just both so excited and had been waiting for this all week. Uh, I had then had asked my mom if we could take my brother's two-door Honda Civic. It was emerald green and it actually had a CD player in it, which in 1999 was a big deal because it was really cool to have a CD player in your car. So my mom knocked on my brother's door to his room and said, we're going to take your car for a few hours. We're heading up to the mall. I'll be back for supper time. See you later. And my brother said, all right, see you later. Love you. When Katie, myself, and my mom were getting into the car, my mom was driving. I was in the front passenger seat, and Katie got into the car directly behind me. And that's when I turned around in the front passenger seat and said, Katie, why don't you move over to the other side of the car so I can see you and we can talk on the way up to the mall? So she did. She slid over to the seat behind my mom. So we're heading up to the mall, listening to our CDs. And suddenly, that's when it happened. Our car was rear-ended from behind. The next thing I remember was flying forward in my seat and then flying backwards because I had my seatbelt on. And then our car just started to gain speed, going really, getting faster and faster. I remember hearing my mom screaming and Katie was screaming. And I remember I was just trying to catch my breath, gasping for air because within an instant, our car was suddenly getting pushed into the center median of the highway, which was this giant grassy embankment. 
we went down in the middle of the highway in the median and then back up this embankment and on the other side i remember seeing cars coming right at us and out of the corner of my eye i remember seeing my mom trying to veer our car back into that grassy median to get us out of harm's way and then i completely blacked out The next thing I remember was people talking all around me and my eyes were closed, but I could still see red and blue flashing lights. And then suddenly I felt my body raise up and I, I opened my eyes and saw the night sky. Out of the corner of my eye, I saw EMTs and firefighters, police all running around and I then felt my body start to roll. And that's when I realized I was on a stretcher. The next thing I saw was the roof of the ambulance coming over my head and the doors shutting and the sirens going off. The EMT started asking me questions, my name, where I was from, who he could contact to let them know I was just involved in a motor vehicle crash. I'm answering all the questions fine and I'm 14 years old and I'm scared and confused. And suddenly I, I stop and ask him, I said, are my mom and Katie all right? My friend that was in the car, are they okay? And he looked at me and he said, I'm not sure of their current status at this time, but we'll find out more when we get to the hospital. We finally got to the hospital and it was a whole nother blur of people talking and and rushing me to get, you know, x-rays, CAT scans to make sure I had no internal bleeding. And by the grace of God, I didn't. The only injuries I had were a fractured jaw, a rope burn on my shoulder from a purse I had slung across my chest, and a cut on my left ear. After they were done giving me all the tests and x-rays, they put me in a side room of the ER. It was a small little white basic room that had the basic equipment in it. And I was laying in the bed while the nurse was sewing up my ear. And that's when my brother and my dad came running into the room. Once the nurse was done sewing up my ear, she left the room and that's when my dad came to the left side of the bed and was holding my hand. I remember my brother being in the corner of the room, just sobbing, and he was my older brother, so it was very odd for him to see him this upset, and my dad was really upset too. His eyes were super puffy and red, and it's, it's strange to see your dad that way when he doesn't really show it that often, and I kept looking at them both and saying, I'm fine, you guys, it's okay, and that's when I turned and looked at my dad, and I said, Dad, no one has answered my questions. Are, are mom and Katie all right? And that's when my older brother, Rob, lost it and just slid to the ground in the corner of the room and started crying. And my dad squeezed my hand and we paused. And he looked at me and he said, Beck, mom and Katie didn't make it. And in that moment, I was just in complete shock. I didn't cry. 
I had no reaction to what he just told me. What he just told me was that they're dead. They're never coming back. You're never gonna see your friend again. You're not gonna have your mom at your high school or college graduation. Your mom won't be there to do your hair on your wedding day. Your mom won't be there when you have your first child. Your mom won't be in your life anymore because she was killed. And your friend won't get to live out her life because she was killed too. And in that moment, my life changed forever because of one person's decision to get behind the wheel drunk. We later found out that our car was hit by a drunk driver. The individual had a blood alcohol nearly twice over the legal limit at the time. And he had also taken marijuana and cocaine before driving. They pushed our car from behind into oncoming traffic, but their car stopped in the grassy median, so they were fine. And the reason that they hit our car was not only were they extremely impaired, was because they were looking for a cigarette on the floor of their car. That's why my mom and friend are no longer with us. because someone decided to drive impaired. I spent three nights at the hospital and got to leave on Halloween night of 1999. And it wasn't until I had to walk downstairs and get into another car to go home was the first time I actually cried because I didn't want to get into another car. I was scared. I went home and when we got home, there was just a lot of people there comforting our family and there were fruit baskets everywhere and flowers and cards and teddy bears and chocolates. And all I wanted to do was just go into my room and shut the door and cry. I, the next day, went to school to privately see a few of my friends during lunchtime in a side room in the principal's office, and I then um, went shopping for the funerals and the wakes that were going to be coming in the next coming days. And the next four days are what I like to call hell on earth, and what I mean by that is the next four days were followed by the first day being my friend's wake the next day was my friend's funeral. The day after that was my mom's wake. And the day after that was my mom's funeral. It was awful. And our community just wrapped their arms around my family and my friend's family. They were incredible. They made meals for my family for three months and were always checking in on us. 
we had an amazing support system and no matter what, I wasn't ready for it. I wasn't ready for the support and the love. And I just started making bad choices. I didn't care about anything. And I then just was really depressed and sad and angry that my life completely changed and I was now the girl that was in the car crash. And I didn't want to be, but I had no choice. After school, I would come home and I would turn on the TV and watch Oprah. I'm a huge Oprah fan. And one day she had a guest on who was also a drunk driving victim. Her name was Jacqueline Severito. Jacqueline's story was that she was in a car with four of her friends and a drunk driver crossed the center median and hit her car head on. Two of her friends died instantly and Jacqueline was pinned in the front passenger seat because of the impact. She was then burned alive in the car before the EMTs could get to her. Her face, her hair, her skin was melted away and she had to undergo many, many painful surgeries to regain a little bit of her sight back, but she had severe severe injuries from her crash. And as Oprah was interviewing with her, I remember sobbing on the couch, just relating to this victim who was also in the front passenger seat of her car, was just having a good time with her friends and was then had her life changed because of a drunk driver. Oprah then asked Jacqueline a question. She said, Jacqueline, do you forgive the drunk driver that did this to you? And as a 14-year-old girl, I'm sitting on my couch yelling at the TV saying, no way she forgives this guy. She, he ruined her life. He took away her independence, her, her ability to even just do the simplest tasks like brush her teeth or eat independently. And Jacqueline, being the beautiful person that she was, she turned and looked at Oprah and said, yes, I forgive him for doing this. And in that moment, I realized that I needed to do the same thing. I within myself needed to forgive the drunk driver who caused my crash to be able to move on with my life and find happiness again and not be so angry. So after a long, long journey of, of self-care, I started to run a lot. I really tried at school. I did my best I could. I I found outlets for myself um, that were positive and healthy. I knew I wanted to live the best life that I could because my mother and Katie couldn't. So I wanted to just live my life to the fullest. After I was able to, within myself, forgive the drunk driver that did this to me, I was able to do that. I also, in high school, joined a program that was through Mothers Against Drunk Driving in Rhode Island. It was a youth leadership program called Team Spirit. And it was a program that I got involved with and kids from all over the state got involved with. And that's where I found my passion for traffic safety. Not only did I find my passion for traffic safety and drunk driving prevention, but I found my people 
a group of youth who also felt the same way I did about drunk driving and keeping people safe behind the wheel. And that was so important at that point in my life as a teenager. They are some of my best friends that I am still friends with to this day. You know who you are. I love you all. And I even met my husband through the program. It was an incredible, incredible program that made me feel so connected and not alone in the fight against drunk driving. And I honestly, till this day, feel that team spirit and the people within it saved my life and gave me hope to keep going. I was fortunate enough to be the co-coordinator of the MAD RI Team Spirit program back in 2009 with one of my dear friends and it was incredible and I knew right then that this is what I wanted to do and I needed to find a way to do it. The four years as a co-coordinator went by and then I started a family, got married, took a few years off. I was a graphic designer at the time. A few years back, uh, an opportunity arose where I could be the program coordinator for a new traffic safety leadership program in our state. And I immediately said yes, because I knew that this was my passion and exactly what I wanted to be doing. And that's how Youth Driven was born. The Team Spirit program saved me. And I hope Youth Driven will help other students in the same way. Whether or not they have been impacted by say a drunk driver or have lost a friend in a crash of some kind. I wish some days that I didn't have this job because it would mean that there wasn't an issue with teens and car crashes in our country, but there is a huge problem. Motor vehicle crashes are the leading cause of death for US teens. Six teens ages 16 to 19 die every day from motor vehicle crash injuries. We have a lot of work to do, and I will continue to work towards our goal of zero fatalities on our roadways. I want to close with a quote that I actually have hanging from my computer. It's there to remind me on the days when I'm feeling like I'm not making a difference or or my message isn't getting out there. And it's a quote that encourages all of us to keep going and that you are making a difference as long as you keep going. And this is the quote. You may never know what results come from your action, but if you do nothing, there will be no result. From Gandhi. I wanna thank you for listening and welcome you to Youth Driven Podcast. Until next time, take care of each other on the roadways and as always, lead by example.